invite you to grab your Bible and uh, let's get ready to study God's Word together. Today is Pentecost Sunday. I don't know how many of you are aware of that. Uh, a day that the church around the world celebrates. Of course, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit when the church was born on the day of Pentecost. Tongues of fire resting on the apostles and the 120 that were there in the upper room. And of course, they were filled with the Holy Spirit in a powerful way. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and read those verses uh, here this morning. I, I think it's great for us to take a moment and uh, celebrate what took place on the day of Pentecost. The word Pentecost, by the way, Penta, uh, five or 50, 50 days after Jesus died on the cross and uh, rose from the dead. 50 days in the Jewish calendar after uh, the Passover uh, celebration. Of course, Jesus was crucified on the eve of the Passover. But let me begin reading uh, in Acts chapter 2. I'm going to read uh, verse 1 through verse 21. It says, uh, when the day of Pentecost came, uh, they were all together uh, in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Uh, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire uh, that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. Uh, and when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Uh, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native tongue? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, uh, residents of Mesopotamia, uh, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontius and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. And then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain uh, this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke, and the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And 
everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm going to read verse 17 and 18 again because it kind of goes along with the theme of our message this morning. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women. I don't think we understand how significant that was uh, in this day that he includes both men and women. And I'm embarrassed to say that. Sorry, ladies, but you weren't uh, given the significant role that Jesus gives you in the church today in the day that these words were spoken. And so when he declares the power of the Holy Spirit on both men and women, that is such a significant statement. He says, I will pour out my spirit in those days, both men and women, and they will prophesy. Hey, we've been in a series for several weeks now uh, wanting to get to know the person of the Holy Spirit in a little bit deeper Way. We've, talked, uh, we've titled the series, Quenching the Thirst in My Soul. And this morning I'm going to bring one last message in this series. And the title is Developing the Gift of Prophecy uh, in Our Lives. Now there are so many things we could talk about in regard to the person of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus is, is the one uh, in John 14 uh, who said, It's good that I go so that the Holy Spirit uh, can come. I mean, he recognized there was only so much he could do, only so much he could teach, only so much transformation or knowledge that he could impart to the life of the disciples. He knew he needed to go so that the Holy Spirit could come because that the Holy Spirit was going to begin something totally new within the depths of our soul, changing us from the inside out. In fact, in, 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 in John 16, he says he's the one, the Holy Spirit, who will guide you into all truth. Now, I, I love the picture of that. There's just something so kind in that phrase, he will guide you into all truth. I, I think most of us probably know there's a difference between Western mentality and Eastern mentality. In the West, we drive our cows, okay? Uh, but in the East, they lead their sheep. And in the Eastern culture, the idea of a shepherd, you know, the sheep weren't all lined up in a line behind him. Uh, the sheep were wandering all over the place. They were, uh, you know, the younger sheep, they were lambs, they were playing, and uh, the older sheep were distracted, and they would wander off. But the shepherd led and guided. And the neat thing is that uh, the sheep knew his voice. The shepherd led, and he kept calling, and he kept guiding. And that's what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. I don't know about you, uh, but all of us have a tendency to wander here and to wander there and to get off track and get distracted. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit who works deep within our soul to, to guide us into all truth? And uh, I, I'm so thankful for that relationship with the Lord because he can teach us ways to know the Lord that beyond what we could ever learn in our our natural mind and, and in our understanding. Now, last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we talked a little bit about the gift of prophecy, and we saw in verse 1, the Apostle Paul wanted all of us to earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. Let me read it to you. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, 
follow the way of love and earnestly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. We live in a world that needs to hear the Lord. I, I mean, there's so much going on right now with the COVID crisis. There are so many different opinions and so many different things that, that, are, that are being said. There, there's so much going on right now across our nation with this um, uh, tragedy that took place in the life of uh, George F Floyd. And uh, it's just a terrible time of heartache and disappointment demonstrations across our nation and there's so much pain that's being exposed in our nation right now and here in our own uh, Klamath County uh, of course the tractor rally that took place on Friday because so many farmers and families are are facing a huge crisis with the water being turned off again this year I believe Jesus wants to speak into these circumstances I, I really do I believe that there are times where he wants to speak through you uh, in a private moment when you're talking with a fellow farmer or you know a business associate maybe someone you work with sometimes there are public moments in a group of people where i believe jesus wants to speak through our lives he wants to speak prophetically he wants to put the word of the lord out there for you know he said he who has ears to hear let him hear and I think there are times where the, the Holy Spirit wants to put the word of the Lord out there for those who are willing to hear, or those who are willing to listen. And see, I, I believe that Jesus wants to speak to bring peace. I, I think Jesus wants to speak to bring clarity. I, I believe he wants to speak to, to bring a sense of unity sometimes or a, a camaraderie. I believe he wants to rebuild, not tear down. And we live in a time in our nation where there's so much happening to tear down and to, to divide and, and, and to, to, to separate. And, uh, so, so I want to talk this morning a little bit about developing the gift of prophecy in our life because the Apostle Paul was the one who said that each of us should earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. And if, if you look at the Greek word for earnestly desire, it's the, it's the Greek word zelo, and uh, if you go to a book that talks about word pictures, sometimes they'll take uh, uh, where a Greek word is used other places in Greek literature to create a, a kind of a metaphor, a picture of the word. I happen to have one of those books. It's, it's called, uh, written by a guy named Robertson. But this word zello literally means to bring to boil. It, it, it's a picture of passion and intensity to earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And, and, and uh, frankly, we don't need your opinion. Uh, we don't need what the world around us is saying reparated through Christian believers. Uh, we, we need the Lord. We need the opinion of the Holy Spirit. We need what His Word is saying. And in, in the Spirit and the love and the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and, and that's why it's so important for us to, to recognize his voice and to develop the gift of prophecy so that we can, we can say what the Lord is saying. I think what we think personally is important, but I think all of us would agree what the Lord is saying is far more important than that. That's why it's so important uh, that when Jesus said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, uh, the, the desire for us to lay aside uh, feelings or preferences and trying to hear 
uh, what the Lord is saying to the people around us, to our community, and of course, uh, to the church. Uh, so I'm gonna ask you to turn to Genesis chapter one, because I wanna talk a little bit about the significance of prophecy, uh, the significance of the word of the Lord, and I wanna try to illustrate maybe the difference uh, prophecy in the Old Testament as compared to prophecy in the New Testament. So uh, uh, Genesis chapter 1 is where it all starts, of course. First chapter of the Bible, uh, first three verses. And the first th thing I want to I say is that our God is a speaking God. His word is so important in our lives and, and is... Word is so important, of course, in the beginning of time, but for all eternity. It says in verse 1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Because this is the same Spirit that lives in you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. It's the same Holy Spirit who was poured out on the day of Pentecost. It's such a great picture of the Spirit of God hovering over the waters at a time uh, where there was emptiness, where there was darkness, and a, a lack of order or structure to maybe what God was uh, bringing uh, to creation at that time. A lot of different theories about uh, creation and uh, and yet the spirit of God was on the move he was hovering over the waters and in verse 3 and God said let there be light and there was light and if you jump down to verse 6 and God said and uh, this time he creates the sky separates the waters from the heavens and the waters on the earth and then again in verse 9 God said and God separated or put boundaries around the water on the earth and there was land and there was an ocean and there were lakes and in verse 11, then God said and, uh, and there was vegetation and there were plants and there were trees and then on and on, verse 14, and God said and then verse 20, and God said and verse 24 and verse 26. Now, I don't know what you think about the story of creation, whether it happened literally in six days and six 24-hour periods, or whether you read uh, Genesis chapter 1 more like poetry, and it happened over periods of, of thousands of years. Okay, that's a topic for another discussion rather than uh, our conversation this morning. But what is important to see is we live in a world and in a universe all around us that was created by the Word of God. See, the Word of God is powerful. God spoke, and it was created. In fact, I think it's in the book of Colossians. It talks about how all things are held together by the Word of His power. Our God is a speaking God, and His Word is powerful, and His Word carries Life, Isaiah 55, verse 11. Uh, this is what the Lord says. For, for, it says, so it is with the, my word that goes out from my, wow, my mouth. I will, it will not return to me empty, uh, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. There's something powerful about God's word. And we sang about it this morning, how God gave his word through prophets and of course, his son was born, and, 
and ended up dying on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. But God's word will not return empty and it will not return void. It's powerful. It says in Hebrews 4.12, says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. There's something even in our day that is powerful about the word of God that can bring healing in our life. It can bring hope in a moment. Darkness can be turned to hope it can bring love where there was no love. It can bring joy. It can be, bring peace. God's word is so powerful and it can cut through so many things. And I'm so thankful that God has been faithful not only to give us his word, but to speak his word into our soul through the power of the Holy Spirit to bring new life in us. And it's something he's working at doing every day in our life and our time with God and our time in his word is so powerful and so important. Now, when God speaks through people in both Old and New Testament, that is what is referred to as prophecy, okay? If you think of prophecy as just, you know, end time stuff or maybe a book of Revelation stuff, then all those, those things are true, you still have a kind of a narrow or limited view of what prophecy is all about in the scriptures, okay? The gift of prophecy is, is much broader than that. And when the apostle Paul talks about prophecy in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he talks about the importance of prophecy in the church to, to encourage and to strengthen and to comfort. So the spirit of prophecy, you see, is something that God is using all the time in the life of his church, when we gather together or when we're gathered as a family or when we're gathered in a life group or sometimes, like I mentioned, in a meeting with a friend or maybe even a public setting where God speaks his truth uh, th through our lives. Uh, I'm going to invite you to turn to Numbers chapter 11. Uh, Moses, in Numbers 11, he was the first prophet uh, in the Old Testament, okay? He wrote the first five books of the Bible. If you've ever read the book of Genesis, Genesis that all happened before he was born. So how did he do that? <laughs> well, by revelation, by prophecy. He spoke of the nature of God in the book of Genesis and, uh, of course, gives us insight into the nature and character of God uh, because God uh, re revealed it to him. Now, 2,000 years before Jesus was born, Moses was dreaming about a day when all God's people would prophesy, when the Holy Spirit would, would come upon all of them. And, and I'm going to read it for you here in Numbers 11, verse 29. I'm skipping a, over a little bit of the first portion so I don't have to take time to explain the entire verse to you. But here's what uh, Moses says. I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Uh, now Moses had an amazing relationship with God. In, in fact, uh, it talks about how Moses, how God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And in the Old Testament, when the Bible talks about prophecies, God spoke to people audibly. And when they spoke to uh, people, 
thus saith the Lord, they were speaking verbatim what the Lord had said to them. So when Moses went up on the mountain, and remember there was fire and there was smoke, and the Lord spoke to uh, Moses audibly, he came down from the mountain and he spoke verbatim what the Lord had given him. And when we read you know, the prophet Joel, or we read uh, Isaiah, or we read Jeremiah, or uh, Haggai, or Hosea, the other prophets, uh, they heard the Lord audibly and they spoke verbatim what the Lord was saying. But Jeremiah, in Jeremiah 31, I'm going to invite you to turn there. Jeremiah uh, talks about a day that was coming when the Lord would put his law or his word in our hearts or in our minds. Let me begin reading verse 31 through verse 34. It says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. And I, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, or what he's saying is, because I, even though I was faithful to them, declares the Lord, uh, this is the, the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people and no longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord for I will uh, forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more someone should say hallelujah for that verse (laughs) would you look at verse 33 with me again is the Lord says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. In this new day, and of course we know that to be the day we live, uh, in this new day when the Spirit comes on all people, it will be different than the days of Moses and Joel and Jeremiah and Hosea and Haggai when God's voice was audible and God spoke to them and they said verbatim what God had said. Uh, In these last days, God is going to put his law or his word in our hearts and in our minds, into our thinking and into our feelings. And there will be pictures and there will be impressions and scriptures will come alive from within our soul because the Holy Spirit will make them come alive through his passion and his energy and his power. In fact, let, let me read a definition of prophecy in the day we live. And I, I apologize, I've, I've lost the name of the person I got this from uh, a couple of years ago. But uh, I'd love to read it to you because it gives insight into what prophecy is all about in the day we live. So let me read it to you. It says, prophecy is a phenomenon that results directly from the access the Holy Spirit has to our minds whereby he can create pictures in our imagination or give us a dream in our sleep or visions. He can put words or ideas or scriptures into our hearts with such love, with such force. We know we have the responsibility to pass it on and relate to others what the Holy Spirit has communicated to us. Now, there's a lot in that definition, but it it really gives insight into uh, how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. It says prophecy, let me read it again, is a phenomenon. 
something supernatural. It's, it's mystical, but it's something that happens as a result of direct access the Holy Spirit has to our minds because he lives within us whereby he can create pictures in our imagination or give us a dream in our sleep or visions. He can put words or ideas or scriptures into our hearts. And I don't know if you've ever woken up in the morning, there's a song there or there's a scripture there. And that's, that's the Holy Spirit stirring within your soul, his presence and his word. He, he can put it into our hearts with such love, such force. Uh, we, we know how we have the responsibility to pass it on and and relay to others what the Holy Spirit has communicated to us. Has that ever happened to you? <laughs> I mean, if, I, I'm not in the last couple of months, but if you ever walked into church, maybe you haven't been that spiritual <laughs> that morning, or maybe you haven't been spiritual for a week or maybe a month, and all of a sudden there's the, an awareness of the Holy Spirit that literally stuns us sometimes and, and, and our spirit comes alive and something in the song is prophetic about God's nature and who he is and have you ever just forgot you were in church for a moment you get caught up in the spirit with what that song is saying about the character or the nature of God it just takes you to another place it's, it's amazing it's, it's supernatural and you know, later that week, you're with a brother or with a sister or maybe with your family, and, uh, and, and it just it comes up again, and you have a chance to share that part of who the Lord is. You get to share that in a way that uh, really encourages them, and they go, yeah, you know, I've been thinking of that myself. That's the spirit of prophecy. I, I know it sounds sometimes too natural or too normal for us uh, who, who walk in the spirit, but that's the spirit of prophecy that takes place in the New Testament. It happens sometimes uh, when a speaker, a pastor, maybe me, and I'm preaching along or teaching the word or whatever, and all of a sudden, you sense a stirring of the Holy Spirit, and you see something in the Spirit that goes maybe even beyond what he's saying to something you're experiencing, and the Lord is giving you vision, or the Lord is helping you make a decision, or the Lord, the Lord is dealing with something deep within your soul, and it's like you leave the sermon for a while, and, and you go to another place, and then you check back later. But, but, uh, and then a week later, two weeks later, you know, you're sitting down with a brother for coffee, and all of a sudden, that, that rumbling of the Spirit begins to manifest again, and you know you're supposed to share what the Lord shared with you on that particular Sunday morning or whenever it was you were listening to the message. That's the spirit of prophecy. That's the gift of the Holy Spirit in this day in the New Testament. We don't hear it audibly from the Lord, and so you don't have to stand up in church and say, Thus saith the Lord. You don't have to quote him in King James English. But, but there's that sense of the Lord saying or speaking to us, and I just love that. I love when he speaks to me about a circumstance I'm praying about. And, and, and all of a sudden, I, I think, I, I gotta call that person. We need to get together because I feel like the Lord has given me a word for them, a word of encouragement for them. Or maybe you sit down and you write a card and you send it to them. Maybe it hasn't even happened yet in their life, and when they get the card, they open it up and go, Wow! How did they know a week ago when they sent me this card that that's exactly what I was going to be going through today? That's the spirit of prophecy. What a gift to the body of Christ. See, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 said that the purpose of prophecy was for strengthening and encouraging and comforting uh, 
uh, other believers. And that's why the Apostle Paul saw it as such an important gift. It's, it's such an important part of our, our life as we're learning to walk with the Lord and as we're learning how to serve and, and to fellowship and care for one another. Let me read it again in Jeremiah 31, uh, verse 3. He will, put, he will put his law in our minds and he'll write it on our hearts. He goes on to say, and I will be their God and they will be my people. This is a special season we live in. I'm so, I'm so thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to ask you to turn to Acts 21. Because there's a lot to this gift and even, even more to this gift. And I want to I give us a, a chance to look at it in action, so to speak, here in Acts 21, verse 8 through 14. Uh, there's a man named Agabus who is actually referred to as a prophet. So, so not only does he prophesy, not only does he have the gift of prophecy like you or I would to share a word of encouragement and strengthening and comfort to the body of Christ, but he actually kind of, I guess you could say, holds an office. He's, he's someone who's respected as a prophet. I'll never forget, um, first year I was a Christian, I was home from college for the summer, and I was... I was attending this church, Klamath Christian Center. Gordon Hankins was the pastor. And he had a prophet, a man who had a gift of prophecy who was a guest speaker in, in the church on Sunday morning. His name was Dick Mills. And uh, Dick was a man who had committed uh, 7,000 promises in the Bible to memory. He, he could quote all the promises in the Bible. And he had spent a lot of time in his life memorizing and meditating on those promises. Many times when he was preaching, uh, sometimes at the end of his message, sometimes at the beginning of his message, sometimes he'd just stop in the message and he would, he would notice someone, he'd feel like he had a word for them and he would have them stand up and then he would give them a scripture. Okay, I'm, an, I'm a new Christian. I don't know beans from buckshot, okay? Just home from college. <laughs> between my junior and senior year. I'm sitting in the service, you know, somewhere there in the uh, back of the sanctuary uh, where I felt safe. And, and Dick Mills, he's kind of going through his introduction of his message, and all of a sudden he said, young man, stand up. <laughs> I was a little frightened. I didn't know anything about I didn't know who he was. I just come to church. He, he said, young man, you are, you're waffling in your faith. You're a double-minded man. <laughs> Thanks a lot. And that was true. I mean, I was kind of all over the map, and I was a little uh, wishy-washy at that point. I, honestly, at that stage of my life, I would, I'd probably talk to you about Jesus in a tavern with a beer in front of me more than at church. But nevertheless, I was in church on Sunday morning. He said, you're a double-minded man, unstable in all of your ways. He said, but this is what the Lord says. I've called you to the ministry, and I'm going to teach you how to know my voice, and I'm going to teach you how to teach others to recognize my voice and to walk in this spirit. And then he gave me scriptures. He's, Psalms 32, verse 8. Here's what the Lord says. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go, and I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And he gave me Isaiah 44. It says, you'll hear a word behind you. Uh, the Lord saying, this is the way, walk you, you in it. And I... You know, I had no idea what was happening, to be honest. Someone wrote down the verses and gave it to me as I left the service. How many of you know the word of the Lord will not return empty, but it will fulfill the purpose for which the Lord sent it? I, I never made an effort to live out that scripture. 
But God made an effort to carry me through it and to guide me and to lead me. And he's fulfilling that in my life, something that we could never do on our own. And there are things that God speaks through the power of the Holy Spirit in a prophetic way that he will bring to pass because his word will not return void. And there are people with that gift. There are some within our own church here who have that uh, gift of prophecy and many times will, will, will come up to me. But this section in Acts chapter 21 uh, helps us understand a little bit about the gift of prophecy. A man named Agabus uh, has a revelation, sees someone who's being bound, uh, senses it, it's the Apostle Paul, so he comes to the Apostle Paul, delivers the message, and then there's a little discrepancy on how people view it and how they think sh they should apply it, which I think is a great learning tool for us. Let me begin to read in Acts 21, verse 8 through 14. It says, leaving the next day, we, and we here is a group of people that traveled with the Apostle Paul, and it's, of course, Luke who wrote the book of Acts. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea, and stayed at the house of Philip the evangelist, uh, one of the seven. Many people think this was the Philip who went to Samaria in Acts chapter 8. He was basically an evangelist and a teacher at that time. Uh, he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. That is a great statement, especially for people who are raised in a particular type of church that think women should be silent in the church. Uh, wrestle with that a little bit. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Uh, verse 10, after uh, we had been there for a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down uh, from Judea. Uh, uh, coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. And when we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? Am I not ready to be bound but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of our Lord Jesus? And when he would not be dissuaded, uh, we gave up and said the Lord's will be done. I love this story because it teaches us something about prophecy in our day. Number one, prophecy isn't the same as in the days of Moses. It's not the audible voice of God being uh, given verbatim, thus saith the Lord. But it's pictures and it's impressions. The Holy Spirit puts a picture in uh, this man Agabus the Holy Spirit puts a picture in his mind and in his heart. And if you look at it closely, there are actually three parts to the prophecy. First, there's the revelation or the picture of the man being bound. And then there's the interpretation. He recognizes that this is a word for the Apostle Paul. And he apparently has heard that the Apostle Paul is in this particular location on his way to Jerusalem. And he senses that this is a word for the Apostle Paul. And so he gives the word that uh, basically this man is going to be bound when he gets to Jerusalem and delivered over to the Gentiles. Now the application is what's interesting to me. The people that hear the word, first thing they say is, no, don't go, Paul. And then the apostle Paul goes the opposite direction. He, he discerns it totally differently. It isn't that he doesn't think he's 
not going to be arrested or bound, but he has a different application for the message. He feels like the Lord is telling them what's going to happen, but also telling him not to be afraid, that the Lord will be with him, and he's giving him courage in the midst of the conflict or in the midst of the trouble uh, that he's going to face. Now, one of, this th- one of the things this teaches us about prophecy in the New Testament, prophecy in the day we live, is that prophecy requires discernment. In other words, we need to discern together what is the Lord saying. It comes with revelation, there's interpretation, there's the picture, there's the sense of what God is saying, and then there's the interpretation. Who's this for? How is it be de- to be delivered? And then there's the application. What is actually the Lord saying uh, through this word? It's not just an audible voice. But that doesn't mean it doesn't have authority. And that doesn't mean it won't be fulfilled. But there's a discernment that's, that's involved in, in the process. There's revelation, there's interpretation, and there's application. And, you know, I don't know if you've been to many of our services here at the church, but there are a couple people, probably a half dozen in the church, that uh, often will, will sense a word from the Lord. Sometimes they'll email it to me. Uh, sometimes they'll come up to me as we start worshiping and, and, and say, I just feel like the Lord is saying this. And I'm so thankful that the people in our church are willing to submit that word uh, to me for, for discernment. Is this something that should be shared right now? Is this, is, is this something that you think the Lord is saying to all of us? Or in one particular case, the person will say, do you think this is just something the Lord is saying to me? Because we have to wrestle with that when we hear the Lord and we have to try to discern. Many of you know uh, David Chabner in the life of the church. He'll come up to me and he'll say, man, as we were worshiping, I just felt like the Lord was saying this and he'll just basically rehearse my sermon for me. It's amazing to me how he'll hear uh, what the Lord is about to say. And sometimes I'll take a piece of what he says and add it to my sermon. There have been times where I've asked him to come up and just share it. Uh, some of you know Janelle, and sometimes she'll have a picture, and, and she submits it to me and asks me what I want to do with it. Do you think it's the Lord? Do you think it's for all of us? And sometimes I'll have her share it. Sometimes she'll come up right at the end of the worship. Sometimes I'll have her come up at the end of the service because I feel like the, the sermon needs to be communicated first for, for the prophecy to have the power of the impact when she shares. You know, one of the things... When you read 1 Corinthians 14, it talks about the gift of tongues and it talks about the gift of prophecy and and order in this service. One of the ideas you get is that when the early church came together, it was a participatory service. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, one of you comes with a word, one of you comes with a hymn, one of you comes with a prophecy, and, and, and there was this collective gathering. People came expecting to participate instead of just watch a performance or listen to a sermon or hope the worship team is on that day or, or whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't like um, an event that you attend. It, it was like something that you participate in. And, you know, I, th- I think there needs to be a renewal of that in the church, that we all come together with a sense of knowing what the Lord has been saying to us. And occasionally, maybe what he's saying to you needs to be included in what the Lord is saying to all of us. And developing that gift is, is something we just have to do together. We have to discern. We have to take time. 
because there'll be a revelation and then there'll be an interpretation and then there'll be application and, and how does it need to be delivered and, and when and where and how. So let's talk a little bit about the COVID virus crisis. I, I have been um, wrestling with the whole idea of when should our church uh, regather and there have been a lot of different messages that have been communicated by different people in the body of Christ in, in regard to the whole idea of, you know, the churches being closed and social distancing and what that means. How, how does that relate to our Constitution and the right for free assembly? Well, what about the whole idea that God has not given us a spirit of fear but of love and power and sound mind and uh, you know, what about the let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together was the habit of some. There, there's just a lot of things that are involved and a lot of ways that I'm so thankful, and I mean that sincerely, I'm so thankful as the body of Christ, together we're trying to hear what the Lord is saying to the church and how should we respond. And Can I say something that I don't mean to sound disrespectful toward our government or uh, anything else. When I was appointed to preach the gospel, I wasn't appointed by the President of the United States. And I wasn't appointed by the governor of the state of Oregon. I was appointed by a much higher authority. His name is Jesus Christ. And so through all of this, the head of the church is the person of Jesus Christ. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. And the goal has to be following him and listening to him. And the goal has to be his mission, not ours. His mission is to go into all the world and make disciples, <laughs> baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded. Surely I'm with you always, even in the age. And in that, there's words in the scripture about assembling together, about not being afraid, about the power of the Holy Spirit to protect us if we pick up a snake and it bites us and it won't harm us. I mean, there's just a lot of things. And, and to be honest, through all of this, because of all the voices, there are times where I've felt a tremendous amount of pressure. And I think for some of us, there can be a certain amount of confusion and I just want you to know that uh, Jesus is my head and I really am trying to follow him through all of this. And, you know, our church has been working together to, to make a plan for regathering. I'm looking forward to June 5th. Uh, on June 5th, the, the first stage, the first 21 days of the, of the reopening that began in our state and in our nation from May 15th. Uh, the, the first 21 days will be completed and we should have another statement from uh, Governor Brown. We should have another assessment from the medical authorities in our nation in regard to how we're doing. And uh, you'll get a letter from me this week that, that basically says uh, if there hasn't been a resurgence, we're expecting that we'll be able to allow more of us to gather here in our facility uh, following that. So at that particular time, uh, I will with the help of others. So thankful in the abundance of counsel, there's wisdom. Oh, with the help of 
you know, leaders in our denomination and a variety of things all try to make a decision based on our facilities and some of the practical things that we need to do to be ready. Uh, I'll try to make a decision on a date that we will reopen, and I'll talk about that on a video and in a letter uh, this week. But uh, basically, we're beginning to make plans toward the regathering of our church. I know that there are uh, there's a church here in our community that's meeting today, and there's a couple of churches that are going to open up their doors uh, the following week on, on June 7th. I'm not so sure being first is the best idea. I mean, there's a lot to learn a, as you go, and I'm excited for them. I'm praying for safety and help, but can I just tell you, I read an article yesterday. Church in Germany, May 10th, after the, uh, after the uh, curve has not only stabilized, but begin to diminish. Uh, a church in Germany, of course, they've been allowed to regather. So 192 people on May 10th gathered. Apparently someone within the congregation was asymptomatic in regard to uh, coronavirus. And as a result of that, uh, 40 people contacted the disease. And as a result of those 40 people, more than 150 now in that village have contacted the disease of the coronavirus. And so, you know, one of the things you have to keep in mind is not just our rights, but our desire to keep everyone safe. And so as we make plans to come together, I, I realize we live in a world that has fallen. We, we, we get sick, there are diseases. There have been discussions about uh, whether or not closing down our hospitals was a good idea because there are a lot of people who needed treatment for cancer or for uh, di diabetes or, or other issues that maybe didn't receive the treatment they needed that have put their lives in risk. This is an impossible situation uh, for anyone to, to bat a thousand, so to speak, and make all the decisions correctly in. But I will say, as we make plans to regather, we have to do it with a sense of humility and with a sense of love and care, not just for our regathering, but for the community we live in and the people we could expose if someone within our group of people was asymptomatic and did expose others and did, then we ended up carrying that to our community. Wouldn't it be terrible to be known as the church who carried coronavirus to our community instead of the church that carried the gospel? And I know that's no one's desire. I know that those kind of things do happen, but I just think it's important for us to have a spirit of humility, a lot of prayer as we make plans to regather. So I, I'm using that as an illustration. I hope it doesn't take away from the sermon uh, or the message of developing the gift of prophecy within your own life. This is certainly a time where we need the gift of prophecy. And we need the discernment that goes along with that in the body of Christ. So I thought it was the right moment and opportunity for me to be able to share a little bit about how we're making plans to regather. And I think on Tuesday we'll have something uh, on our website and, and there'll be a letter sent out to you via email or you can read it there on the website. So I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. And uh, here's how we'll close. Uh, I've, I've appreciated so much you joining me in this series. I, I, I love the idea, uh, the thought of getting to know the person of the Holy Spirit better. I, I love it. It was a tremendous discovery for me when I realized uh, in John 14 through 16 how, how the Holy Spirit is a person. When Jesus talks about him, he uses personal pronouns. He uses he, 
him, not it. It changed my life as I began to relate to him in regard to the deep things in my soul as a person who deeply loves me, deeply cares for me, and beyond my understanding is leading me and guiding me uh, to know the Father more. So I want to ask the Lord to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And my prayer for you this morning is you can recognize the Holy Spirit speaking to you and that you won't be afraid to step out with boldness sometimes and share that scripture or share that picture. Maybe you'll walk into church and say, Pastor, I feel like the Lord said something to me this last week, and I I just want to share it with you. I'd love to hear that. Maybe you could send me an email with something the Lord has spoken to you in regard to the coronavirus or or in regard to the regathering of our church together. Because I I think that's really important for us together to be hearing and discerning what the Lord's saying in the day we live. So Heavenly Father, we just close this gathering with a comma, not with a period, because there's so much more for us to know and, and gain in our knowledge of the Holy Spirit. We ask you to fill us with the Holy Spirit, every one of us, Lord, who are listening. Lord, we ask you to fan into flame help us fan into flame the gift of god that is in us lord ask you to help us earnestly desire spiritual gifts it's not wrong in fact that word zello is sometimes translated as the word covet if there's anything we're going to covet we need to covet spiritual gifts and especially prophecy the apostle paul said so lord i pray that for each one of us teach us how to discern and to share and to love and to comfort and encourage and strengthen one another uh, with the spirit of prophecy through the power of your word and the power of the holy spirit in jesus name we pray and would you say amen with me this morning amen why don't you go ahead and stand if you're seated